showtime, baby. Here we go. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. going on he's feeling it and you can see he's rising to the occasion it's the tc martin show oh, awesome, it's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor tc martin this is your captain baby hey come with me the doctor is now in and the madness is upon us. We are live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. It is a traditional Friday, but it is a March Madness Friday. And we're inside the beautiful, luxurious, and awesome venue at the Cosmopolitan, the Chelsea. This is Hoops and Hops. It has returned, and we are broadcasting live. That's right. The next two hours, nonstop sports talk, March Madness coming your way live from the Chelsea. We'll bring you all the updates. We'll bring you all the sights and sounds. And here we go as the NCAA tournament has begun. T.C. Martin, along with Ballpark VGK Frank, Brian Benowitz, our man here at the Cosmopolitan, and Sam Gordon in the house today from the Las Vegas Review-Journal joins us as we bring it to you nonstop sports talk, nonstop basketball today with March Madness. All right, guys, great to have you here. Double B, uh, what can I say? This has brought us back to some sort of normalcy, and I really believe that that we missed this last year. We missed the NCAA tournament. Of course, Hoops and Hops has been a, a great tradition here at the Cosmopolitan. It is fantastic to be back, and I thank you and your team at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Well, well thank you, TC. Uh, I was sitting talking to some of uh, the, the people I work with today, and it's, it's really gratifying, especially after losing this and not having the tournament last year. And we know what Hoops and Hops is like, and uh, we really just wanted to execute as close as we can based on the, uh, the rules that are out there, the, the health and safety rules, uh, so that people could have a good time within those parameters. And uh, look, the place is full. We have 250 upstairs, 250 downstairs, and they're really just enjoying themselves. There's been some fantastic games. In fact, there's a buzzer beater coming on right now. We already saw one that go into overtime. So here comes Ohio State with the shot. It looks like we're back to more overtime, uh, well, TC. Uh, so. you got to love it. it so we, it's, wouldn't, we wouldn't want it any other way, right? That's right. So we're, we're in center court here. And, uh, uh, again, we're, we're, we're thrilled not only for the, the kids that are able to play, but for, for the, the fans and, of course, the people here at the Cosmopolitan all throughout Las Vegas to enjoy the tournament. And we talk about a lot, of course, on this show, and we broadcast it. Of course, we're, we're here all the time. Uh, usually in the sports book, but again, we are up here every year at this time. It's a little bit different this year, like you said, where you know you do have uh, some limited capacities, but we are in the great concert venue here inside the Chelsea, where normally it's upstairs in the Belmont Ballroom, where you can house up to 4,000 people, right? Yeah. And like you said, you know, 250 uh, down below, 250 upstairs. But for our listeners who are maybe not real familiar with Hoops and Hops, kind of real quickly, talk about the brainchild and, uh, and, and how this came to be the best March Madness party in Las Vegas. Yeah, you know, we've transformed this space, obviously. You've seen it as a boxing venue, as, yes. a, as, a, as a concert venue and all that. Uh, it was really 10 years ago that uh, we decided at the Cosmopolitan that we wanted to be on the map. We actually started here in the Chelsea, and we kind of outgrew the Chelsea when it came to, and we just wanted to provide an exceptional experience for the people who want to come, and they come from all over the country. Uh, they meet their buddies, you know, that they went to school with, all good UCLA Bruins, most of them, and uh, they, they come on out, and they, uh, you know, usually it's, you know, three to 4,000 people a day in, in one of our ballrooms. That's what it had grown to. And we have basketball courts and golden tea and all kinds of fun things and the betting stations. But really what it was about was we, we, we recognized just how much fun this was. And it was kind of that segment between uh, Super Bowl and, and the summer that we wanted to have a big event. And it's a big gambling event. People love to play on these games. Uh, it's a thrill. Everybody loves the one-and-done format. Everybody fills out at least one bracket. I'm in your bracket. I expect to win this year. It's been a long time since I won a bracket. Uh, but it's grown, and it was very disappointing when, when the tournament got canceled last year. So this was important for us in, in putting this together uh, uh, really quickly once we, we, we realized, okay, the tournament's going to happen, and it looked like we were going to be able to have events that we can host for 250, and uh, uh, the team really pulled it together. And uh, believe it or not, TC, there were 500 people on a, on a wait list call that we would call 
and and a vast majority of them already bought the tickets right away. I mean, just ready to go. It's like Lambeau Field. It's like being a Green Bay Packers season ticket holder, huh? That's Get right. A long waiting list. That's right. Outstanding. All right. And uh, first time for for Ballpark Frank and and our guest Sam Gordon here today joining us. And uh, glad to have you guys here, Frank. I know we've talked about this a lot. Your first time here. Just uh, the element is fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a great environment. Uh, you, big screens all over the place. Not a bad seat in the house, uh, as they say. A lot of action. You know, people uh, checking out their tickets. Uh, I know that I disagree with you on the thing of who it, it, you wouldn't want anything other than the overtime. Uh, I would like to see Ohio State actually win this game, and then you make a Green you're Bay right. reference. So right off the bat, you're getting on my bad side. But hey, you know, there's hoops all over the place. There's hops. There's food. There's all sorts of good stuff. So yeah, it, it's all good. But uh, I, I really could have used this game not going to overtime. Yes, we are sitting with the uh, the, Buc the Buckeye fan, the Arden Buckeye fan, right there, and against uh, Ohio State and Oral Roberts uh, into overtime, and Oral Roberts, the best three-point shooter team in the country shot lights out specifically in the first half and, uh, and they got the lead in overtime here so again we will keep you updated on all the games all the buzzer beaters uh, the brackets whether they're gonna be busted or not but I think you and I Brian are our brackets undefeated aren't we 2-0 and so far listen I, I plan on, <laughs> on winning every game I think it's worth like a million bucks or something although I didn't enter that uh, I do have Oregon State on one of my brackets Ouch. one of my two brackets that's and, good uh, for you bad for they're me. knocking I mean that that 12-5 matchup is always uh, a tough one, mm -hmm. and uh, Oregon State was coming on a roll. Tennessee looked like garbage when they blew that game against Alabama. So, uh, I'm not a big SEC guy this year, uh, and uh, or the ACC, mm -hmm. and so I went with the Pac-12 teams because I thought that maybe they were getting a little uh, uh, put down. So I might be a seat snob, and Brian Benowitz is definitely a conference snob. I am a conference snob. Yeah. I'm a self-admitted conference snob. <laughs> no, this year it's the Big Ten and the Big Twelve, but uh, heck, the Big Ten, Ohio State is really struggling versus a very gutty Ohio, uh, Oral Roberts team. Absolutely. Okay, Golden Eagles up two. We're in overtime with three and a half minutes to go in the first OT. All right, Sam the Man Gordon joins us. Does a fantastic job, of course, with the Las Vegas Review Journal. Covers just about everything from. Uh, from the Las Vegas Aces to boxing to UNLV to everything. Sam, glad to have you with us here today, brother. TC, uh, happy to be here. I mean, if you, if I, this is like a, a dream come true where you have 75 screens with basketball in all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Am I in heaven or what? It feels like it. Absolutely. All right, guys, let's uh, talk about what happened uh, earlier on today in the NCAA tournament. Like you said, Brian, we immediately got started with the first game of the day with Florida and Virginia Tech, and that game went into overtime. And uh, Virginia Tech had a 10-point lead. Florida came uh, storming back. It uh, looked like they had the game in hand. Of course, they couldn't hit free throws at the end of regulation. They ended up winning in overtime 75-70. to Again, another 7-10 seed. And it doesn't matter, guys, if it's 8-9, uh, 7-10, or even the 6-11s. We have a lot of these games that are close to pick'ems. And, you know, we're, we, we saw that with the Florida-Virginia uh, Tech game today. But, uh, again, you could have made a case really for either side. But Florida hangs on. I'm not sure how far Florida can really go in this tournament, though. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think Florida. I think Florida is a one and done type of uh, team. That was that's one of those ones that uh, in your bracket, you know, it's a toss up. Mm -hmm. It's a toss up whether you're going to go with the the ACC in Virginia Tech or the SEC of, of Florida. I thought that thunderous dunk early in overtime kind of set the tone for overtime that Florida, yeah, they knew they blew that game right, right. at the end, but they were going to come out fierce, and they sure did, and they uh, they pulled it off and they moved on. All right. Then we have uh, Arkansas and Colgate. Colgate jumped out to a 14-point lead. They were hitting their threes. There was a lot of hype and a lot of talk about the Colgate Red Raiders coming into this tournament, you know, being one of the best offensive teams. But, again, you know, very small school, small conference, and a lot of these smaller conferences back, at, you know, back east, they didn't really play many, hardly any non-conference games at all. They've stayed within their conference, so you really didn't know how good they, you know, some of these teams were. And we saw some very low point spreads here as well. We, a lot of single digits. I mean, Arkansas three seed, Colgate a 14, and Arkansas was only an eight-point favorite in this game. Uh, Arkansas, I don't know what uh, Musselman said to him at halftime, but they came out storming a 31-point swing. They end up going, uh, winning, going away 85 to 68. So uh, feel free to chime in, guys, and, and con uh, comment about Arkansas and Colgate. Well, 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 I know that uh, I don't think he had to say anything to him at halftime. 
because they ended the first half on a 17-0 run. They were down that 14, went on a 17-0 run. They started doing a full-court press. Colgate couldn't do anything to stop it. Their offense completely disappeared. They were in complete disarray. When they went into the half, you saw Arkansas with a pep in their step, and Colgate kind of looking around like, what the hell do we do from this point on? And then they just rolled that into the second half as well. And, uh, yeah, Arkansas off to a slow start, but they ended the first half in the game in a big fashion. Right. I mean, this is what Eric Musselman does. I mean, he turns programs around, right? Yep. I mean, Arkansas three-seed, yeah, they, they, slow start, but nothing nothing to the Hogs. I mean, they, they rally, they roll. Um, not necessarily a surprise. Credit Colgate for playing tough early on, but uh, Musselman is Musselman, and he adjusted a pro- uh, accordingly, and he has a very, very talented roster. I mean, he got that thing turned around in, in two quick years, and, and I think this is a team that has the requisite talent to make an Elite Eight kind of run. Right, absolutely. I, mean, I, thought, it, I thought it was a highly uh, energetic team when they came back. Reminded me of Nolan Richardson's teams with the 40 minutes of hell because they were in transition and they were running and gunning and having a good time. And when that team's able to do that, uh, they were very dangerous out there and they just went flying past them. You know, you got to worry a lot about these top seeds, especially when they're playing these early morning games as well. Are they going to be awake? And, and that was the, the case with Illinois. Uh, they seemed like they were sleepwalking for about the first 15 minutes against Drexel. Drexel gave a good counting of themselves. But then second half, it was all, well, actually right before halftime, and then they turned it up. 78-49 ended up being the final as the Illini, the number one seed uh, over Drexel. So that the Illini, it took them a while, took Arkansas a while. But, you know, again, it, it, once these guys start rolling, they get into their element, expect Illinois to make a decent run. Illinois is an elite, elite ball club, and uh, they, they have a legitimate chance to, to, to cut down the nets here in Indianapolis. They got size, and they play great defense, and uh, I was very impressed because they did start so lethargic in that game, but before you knew it, they were up 20. Right. And, and the thing about it, too, was Illinois in that game, from what I saw, Drexel, you know, they, they gave a lot of heart. They had a lot of fight in them, but Illinois' big man, Colburn, was just sensational down there. They had no answer for him. The size did matter in this game, and Illinois just kept on pounding it down low and doing what they needed to do, and eventually they just uh, wore down Drexel and ended up having an easy victory in a game that, like you said, they started off a bit slow. Well, this is a team, guys, that, I mean, we know what gets it done in in March Madness is guards, right? It's guard play. And the way, to your point, the way their guards complement Cockburn, it's it's a perfect kind of situation where they have the excellent perimeter play, but when they want to, when they need to, when they have an advantage in their favor, you can throw it down to the big fella and he can, he can go to work down there too. So uh, absolutely a national championship contender. I think their guards are as good as anybody's in the country. Abs- right. Absolutely. And the big guy, the, uh, he looked enormous on the court. He absolutely. is enormous. Yeah. I, mean, he just, I mean, he just towered over everybody. And and really, uh, he, I don't know what he shot for the season or for the game, but the, the guy is almost unstoppable. Yeah, Comer, Comer is a guy that he's... He's going to play at the next level, but he's he's a guy that really came on as the season progressed. I mean, he really owned the Big Ten tournament. I mean, he, he was fantastic uh, in that run last weekend. Uh, Utah State and Texas Tech was a game that, that really had, had the makings of an upset for a good portion of the game, but then Texas Tech and Chris Beard, they turned it on. They ended up winning 65-53. to 53. This game a little bit closer than the final score indicated, but the bottom line was Texas Tech a a four-and-a-half, five-point favorite ended up uh, winning and covering in, the, in this contest. And Texas Tech is one of those teams. They don't have a lot of marquee players. Uh, they don't really shoot the ball exceptionally well from the perimeter. but And they don't have a whole bunch of size. But what they do do is they play good defense. And every time we talk about Chris Beard, Sam, we, the UNLV fans are going like, ah, oh, the guy that got away. Uh, I mean, I, for my money, I think he's the best defensive coach in the country. I mean, that is a hallmark of his teams. He is He has developed in his time with the Red Raiders. He's taking re- relatively anonymous recruits like Zaire Smith and Jared Culver and turned them into all-world college defenders and got them onto the NBA. And It doesn't matter who his personnel is. He's going he's gonna to find guys that, that defend. And uh, that was a defensive clinic by, by Texas Tech today. Utah State had no answers, especially in that second half. Okay, guys, let's talk about the action that's happening right now. This could be the upset of the tournament. Number 15, Oral Roberts is leading uh, Ohio State 72-69. We are in overtime. Oral Roberts has the ball with 45 seconds to go, and they have a chance oh. to, to, to put this game away. They missed a three, and here come the Buckeyes. And uh, we'll try not to do you know play-by-play here, but we'll give you a sense oh, of, 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 of what's going on. <laughs> uh, I guess we can do play-by-play here. But uh, we are here at Hoops and Hops, Cosmopolitan to Chelsea. It is fantastic. You've got these gigantic screens. Again, it's like we're in an arena here at Double B because, again, I, I look up here at, 
uh, the scoreboard. Uh, I expect to see, you know, home visitors, and we got all the screens. It's like you're in an arena here. Yeah, you know, we, 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 we make this, obviously. It's not usually yeah. there. Yes, it is a it jumbotron. For, it this, is. We, yeah. we did it all for the uh, for yeah. the upper deck, so you can see the games from any angle. Yeah, there you have it. All yeah. right, the three-level Chelsea. Ohio State missing a free throw here, and I know uh, Frank's not real happy about this. Frank, I'm not happy either because, you know, I like the Buckeyes, and I felt that, that Ohio State could make a – decent run in this NCAA tournament. They could be going out here as uh, they have a chance to cut the lead to two at the free throw line. There are 37 seconds to go, and the Buckeyes yeah. missed the free both. throw, and they are down three, and now they're going to have to get into the foul game here. Yeah, and that, that's the same player that missed the shot at the end of the, at the game, too, that he did a step-back uh, shot. He didn't do a step-back three, but he was near the three-point line. I didn't really think it was the greatest shot in the world. I was surprised that Ohio State didn't come up with a little bit better effort than that, at least as a, as a play went. That's what put it into the overtime, and Oral Roberts is just doing what they've done all game. They're going out, they're shooting the threes, they're playing hard, and Ohio State right now looks a little bit uh, in disarray. They're not hitting their shots. They're uh, putting Oral Roberts on the free throw line, giving them chances for easy Easy buckets, free, you know, free buckets in essence, and uh, they very easily could be out of this tournament as a two seed. Oh, Oral Roberts has a chance, uh, one and one, and they miss the front end. Ohio State gets a rebound. They're coming back the other end. He and, missed a layup. Uh, and he missed a layup, and Oral Roberts is going to go to the free throw line again to try to put this game away. And we saw this in the earlier game, guys, with uh, Florida. They had the same thing. Florida was up two, actually uh, up three, and they had a chance at the end of regulation to go to the line and they missed two free throws. Sure enough, Vatek hits a three at the buzzer to send it into overtime. And, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the Buckeyes just cannot uh, convert here, either at the free throw line or, or down low. But really, should any of this really surprise us? I mean, this is what March Madness is all about. We've seen this time and time again. This is a 15 upsetting to two, okay? Outside of, uh, you know, uh, Virginia losing to Maryland, Baltimore County two, uh, you know, uh, three, four years ago. I mean, usually don't see, you know. Once every few years. Yeah, a, a 215 is very, very rare, almost yeah. as rare as the 116. Yeah, it looks like they've panicked. Yes. Because they, they had the lead late in regulation. But, well, they just hit a three, so we're down to a one-point game. 73-72 Oral March Roberts. Man, this is March, what March Madness is all about. This right? is what it is right here, so they got to right. get the foul. Wow. But, you know, with Oral Roberts, I don't know if you guys have seen them, you know, much at all this year, but I, I remember, uh, Sam, matter of fact, when we were, and you can relate this because we were watching this game while we were watching the Gonzaga uh, in the semifinals. They had this uh, up in the suite, the North Dakota State, um, Oral Roberts game. And Oral Roberts shot lights out in the first half. I think they shot something like 70% from three, and they built a 20-point lead. And then they came back and beat North Dakota State only by three because they went cold. Oral Roberts is the the best three-point shooting team in the country, and they have shown that here today. And, again, those are teams that you actually want to bet on and teams that you want to actually, you know, move along in, in your bracket. Well, well, look down there. we got our buddy Trevor, 12-1. to 1. Bet Oral Roberts before the game And Trevor started. knows nothing about basketball. Trevor knows zero he's a about basketball. hockey referee. He's a, he's a hockey guy, and he's a pickleball guy. But he says, I like Oral Roberts. And I go, why? He goes, well, I don't know. The Oral Roberts are going to beat Ohio State. <laughs> so I want him on the money line. And so we went up and bet him. So, you know, that's fantastic. Wow. 12 to 1. Yeah. Ohio State uh, is a 16-point favorite. So why this game. don't they foul him in the backcourt here, Sam? Instead of allowing them to shoot a three, uh, I would. I yeah, would. I'm a big. I'm a big fan of fouling. Foul him. Shoot him at the line yeah, for I'm two. A big I don't get that. I believe in fouling one up three. Well, Ohio State's going to settle for a long desperation three, and Ohio State. Oh, got a one last shot, top of the key. Oh, they're out. No good. Wow. And this game is over. A lot of celebration here at Chelsea. Is. Wow. Oral Roberts defeats Ohio State. <laughs> My man Trevor with the money line wager, double B. I gotta look that up. I mean, they were the twelve to one. They were a, a plus twelve hundred. Plus twelve hundred. They were a sixteen point huh. underdog, sixteen and a half. That's a bracket buster for you guys. That, that's a bracket buster yep. because a lot of people at Ohio State going deep or, or winning that region. So we're sorry for Frank. But for those of us who still like Michigan, that's not exactly disappointing. Wow. Wow. This is March Madness. This is March Madness at its finest. And we're bringing it to you live here at the Chelsea for Hoops and Ops. And this is just a little taste of what to expect for the next three weeks. Well, and you got to hand it to Oral Roberts. They had a big lead. They blew the lead. Ohio State had, I don't know, a six-point lead late in the game. Yeah. And they just couldn't put them away. 
And, and uh, that's a gutty win. And Ohio State had numerous opportunities. Look to, at his last shot's wide open. Yeah. you got to bury that. But, but then again, I mean, you've got the wrong guys shooting as well, too. I mean, you've got to put the ball in your best perimeter shooters and have them do it. And again, you had you had 14 seconds left when they had the ball. You could have gone, go, gone down and got a quick two as well, too, and maybe get a conventional three-point play as well, too. But they settled for bad shots. Again, no no timeouts there at the end. And this is your season comes down to this. That's what I don't understand with a lot of coaches. You don't have something better than, than what they come up with here well, at the end that, of the game. Well, TC, that, that end of the possession, at the last possession they had in regulation, you go a hero ball, isolation, step back, long, contested two. That's not the shot I want. Go, go to the basket. Try and get fouled. Do go. something. Right. And that's, uh, the same kid that, that's the same kid that missed the uh, the one at the end of the half. He missed the wide open one there. When he went down for that layup that you guys mentioned that he missed, he went down one on four, so there was no rebounding there, and it was very contested. So the, the thing about it is I thought that the Big Ten and all the close games they'd had would would be fortuitous to them in this tournament and thus far it hasn't been we saw michigan state in the playing game last night they kind of choked and didn't get it done at the end and ohio state today against uh, oral roberts so they've played a lot of close games but they haven't so far in a very small sample size they've lost both close games they've been in so far in this tournament all right so ohio state eliminated one game and gone so there you have it. All right, we'll continue to update you on all of the March Madness games. Again, we are live here at the Chelsea inside the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas for hoops and hops. It is a tradition here. It is fantastic. And uh, we would we would invite people to come on down, but you guys were, were, were sold out in record we're sold time. Out. <laughs> yeah, we are, we are sold out. But, I mean, some thrilling games going on right now. Uh, Loyola Chicago was a real ugly first half, but they're ahead a little bit going in there. and. Look at Oregon State coming into the halftime, really putting a lot of pressure on Tennessee. I, I, I loved the way they played in the Pac-12 tournament. I was at I was at those games yeah. at T-Mobile Arena, and Oregon State, this is a team that was picked last, picked in the preseason poll to finish last in the Pac-12 because of the loss of Trace Tinkle, and, and he, obviously the all-time leading scorer there, Coach Wayne Tinkle's son, and they were physical. They, they, they have a, an edge to them, and, and they really, in the Pac-12 tournament, um, were outstanding defensively. And 33-17 ahead of the first half uh, with, with less than a minute left. Obviously, that defensive level of play has carried over in the NCAA tournament. They've, they've looked outstanding, picking right up where they left off. I know, and a lot of people didn't think much of, of Oregon State, like you said, Sam, and then they come in here as a, as a 12 seed, but here's the popular 12-5 upset. It looks like it, it could happen. Like you said, they're ahead 33-17, and Tennessee is a team that kind of went hot and cold during the course of the year. They are a number five seed, probably a legitimate uh, five seed, but like you said, Brian, coming out of the SEC, you know, uh, Alabama ends up winning. They beat LSU in that phenomenal championship game last Sunday. Tennessee went out in the in the semifinal, but Tennessee's got plenty of talent. We could see them pull in Arkansas and come back uh, in, in the second half as they just hit a shot at the a wild shot at the buzzer to make it 33-19. Tennessee trailing Oregon State at the half. So we'll we'll see what uh, transpires there. Quick other look at the scoreboard. Two of the games that are going on right now as we speak. Baylor in firm control. Up by 24 over Hartford, 69-45. Five and a half minutes to go in that game. And then uh, the game you mentioned, Brian, Loyal of Chicago defeating or uh, winning at this point in time, 30-28 to over Georgia Tech. This is your 8-9 matchup. Sister Jean made the trip. She got vaccinated, 101 years old, and she got on the bus, made the trip. Uh, she wheeled herself in there, bringing the Ramblers some luck. Listen, the Ramblers are a gutty team. I, you know, I, I think that they could win a couple of games here. However, this has been a, a really difficult game to watch uh, versus the other ones that have been on there where so run and gun. So uh, I'm rooting for the Ramblers because I got them twice to, uh, in my bracket. Yeah, there you go. You got 11. All right. So that uh, Ohio State upset Oral Roberts, only the ninth time, guys, that's happened wow. in the history of the tournament huh. uh, since they went to the, the seedings of, of 1 through 16. Uh, since 1985, ninth time that a 15 has upset a two. I was very surprised, and, and Sam brought up a, a great point. Just the panic and the the, the lack yeah. of uh, settling down that Ohio State had, both at the end of regulation and then at the end of the overtime. I mean, they just settled for very bad shots. Yep. Got kind of lucky that ball jumped out there. He had a wide-open three at the end that he just missed. But you'd think a seasoned team from the Big Ten uh, would be able to put that game away, and they just didn't. 
Well, in the words of the great Mike Tyson, everybody's got a plan until they got they get hit in the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and and Ohio State got hit in the mouth by by Oral Roberts. Never really quite were able to get control uh, of Oral Roberts. So I mean, love to see it. This is what March Madness is all about with, with the mid majors uh, being on top. Yeah. I, I, again, if you're Ohio State, I mean, that, it is embarrassing because they are loaded with talent. Sure, they went on that four-game losing streak uh, entering the Big Ten tournament, but they gave a great account of themselves going all the way to the championship game and even took Illinois to overtime in that championship game as well. So I fully expected Ohio State at, at least to win a few games uh, in this tournament. So that upset my bracket a little bit. I didn't have them going you know, that far, but still, a 15-2 upset is is always something to talk about. And like you said, Brian, especially when it's a Big Ten team, a perennial Big Ten powerhouse, they were not expecting to go home, but they, they did it to themselves. And they did it to themselves early on by not being able to guard the three. And you've got to know that coming into this. Like we said, Oral Roberts, everybody knows this. And if you're, you know, you're doing the scouting report, you know that you're facing the number one three-point shooting team in the country, that's who you're opening up against. See, so you, you had a whole week to prepare for this. Make uh, not run them off the three-point line and make them finish at the at the rim. I yeah. mean, that's that should have been the game plan going in, and obviously, maybe it was and just wasn't executed. But when you have a great three-point shooting team like that, especially from a mid-major conference that wants to play a deliberate style of basketball, you got to be ready. And Ohio State was not ready. They got punched in the mouth and never got up. All right, guys, we are live at the Cosmopolitan here at Hoops and Hops inside the Chelsea. When we come back. We will get you updated on uh, the current games like we are. Also look at games a little bit later on tonight. And then we'll also take you around the college basketball world, specifically here at UNLV. We'll dive into this with a story with Sam Gordon, who actually broke the story and wrote the story a few days ago in the Las Vegas Review-Journal about T.J. Otzelberger leaving UNLV to accept the head coaching job at Iowa State. We will get some thoughts on that and a whole lot more coming your way live from Hoops and Ops. It is the T.C. Barton Show from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Who needs an enema when you can tune in to the Dr. T.C. Martin? Live from the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas, we're inside the Chelsea for Hoops and Hops, the extravaganza, the most elaborate and luxurious March Madness party on the planet here in Las Vegas, the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas. It's Hoops and Hops. This will be going on today and tomorrow. We're broadcasting live like we do each and every year, and we missed it last year, but we are so glad that we are we are back here uh, bringing this uh, to you and uh, all of the March Madness festivities. T.C. Martin Ballpark, Frank. Brian Benowitz, Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review-Journal joined us here today as well. And we'll keep you updated on all of the bracket busters. And we've already had one, one of the biggest upsets so far in NCAA tournament history. A 15 seed beats a two seed. Ohio State is out of the tournament courtesy of the hot shooting Oral Roberts. All right, guys, uh, now's the perfect time, as we know, to get that mobile app from William Hill. And uh, if you're going to be inside hoops and hops, you're going to be anywhere watching the games, uh, get the mobile app if you don't have it already. Now is the time to do it. First, download it on your phone, and then come over here to the Cosmopolitan or any of the William Hill Sportsbook properties. Deposit at least $50 into a new account, and they will give you a free $50 as well. Just use the promo code TC50. That's right, TC50, and you'll get free money in your account when you open up a brand new one at William Hill Sportsbook. So come here to the Cosmopolitan and get busy with it. And you may be like our good friend Trevor, the Canadian, who's got Oral Roberts plus 1,200 on the money line, knows nothing about basketball. But he's, uh, he's very, very happy right now. So there you have it. Get the William Hill mobile app. So easy to use. Use that promo code. TC 50. I love it, TC. And uh, Frank and I really got center court here. Yeah. Right, right in center court watching the action. And uh, uh, what was the spread again on this game here, the one we're watching, uh, Baylor? What was the what was the spread on that? 26. One? So it's, it's going to come right down to the wire on the point spread. Uh, who's on the court for Baylor? That, that's going to be an interesting thing because they're sitting on 25 right now. Right. So uh, uh, that's what makes these games exciting is even though it's out of reach, right. you got all kinds of action in here, and you're going to hear a roar at the end of the game right. no matter what. I was just going to say that. It's one of my favorite moments yeah. to roll video or whatever in the final few seconds of a game that's coming down to a point spread decision here. Like you said, the, the game is not even in question, but you will see people react. Uh, you know, to this here. And a lot of sharp money. We talked about this with um, Nick Bogdanovich this week. Uh, Baylor was, uh, this first round game, uh, got hit pretty hard. A lot of people were laying 25, 25 and a half. 
with Baylor in this opening round game. And they also laid it with Illinois as well, too. So big, heavy favorites. Yeah, this was Hartford's first time in the tournament. Is that correct? I believe so. Yeah. Yes, yes. Because I don't even know what their nickname is. Are they like the, 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 Hawks, the Hawks or something? The Hawks. Yeah, they're the, the Hawks. Hawks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Hartford Hawks. Yeah. All right, Baylor up 77-51 with 1.15 to go. And I'm sure there are people listening to us who are driving around Las Vegas right now uh, uh, sweating some bullets with that one. Well, it's crazy because the, the, the 10 players on the court are not the 10 players that you laid 26 with. This is true. Right, so it's just yes. it's, it's just the guys that are getting a chance to play yeah. and who's going to knock down a shot and who's going to miss. And, and, of course, TC would never lay 26 because he's had a tease to something different if he was Correct. betting it. So, Teasing uh, it lower. You know, I'm, so, I'm fine right so now. So he'd still be feeling good right now. That's it. I'm, <laughs> I'm very comfortable right now. There you have it. All right, guys, uh, speaking of comfortable, we talked about this when we opened the show, Brian, about, you know, for me anyway, and I think we all agree that, with March Madness, with the tournament, and again, this event here with Hoops and Hops, it, it gives us a sense that we're slowly but surely getting back to normalcy, you know, from the pandemic and everything. Things are starting to open up. People are getting their vaccinations. It, it, it's really a good thing. And we didn't know if we were going to be here or not. When we first looked at college basketball, with, we, this started back in, around Thanksgiving. We said, are we going to get to the finish line? Are we going to have conference tournaments? Are we going to have the NCAA tournament? And, yes, we got there. Sure, there were a couple hiccups there with schools like Duke and Virginia and Kansas, but um, the teams uh, that qualified, like Virginia and Kansas, you know, Duke really wasn't good enough to get in this tournament. They are here, uh, you know, for this tournament. But the NCAA has completed more than 9,100 COVID tests heading into the tournament this past week, and they only had eight total positives, and that includes all basketball personnel, whether it's players, coaches, statisticians, or whatever. And uh, so I, I think it's it's great that, that, that we got here, and uh, we're not going to have any alternate teams. We were worried about that last week, that uh, the teams are in, and knock on wood right now, it looks like we're going to play through this thing. Well, I sure hope so. You know, uh, it, it's a matter of now the kids and the, the personnel uh, of these universities to protect them for the next few weeks, especially the ones that obviously that have to play uh, uh, through April. And, uh, you know, it's a testament of, of the kids and their will and uh, their, their their ability to, to social distance and do the things that they're supposed to do. So uh, let's hope the tournament goes as it's going now because, boy, this first uh, – six seven games so far have been really thrilling and uh, uh it's everything that we missed last year you know all but one team in the tournament uh spent the week in indianapolis the only one that didn't was virginia and they had to complete two rounds of testing and had to be quarantined before being able to even practice so they really haven't even been practicing so and virginia meets ohio tomorrow night in bloomington and that is a 4-13 matchup that uh, is kind of one of those sexy picks. Even though the MAC really hasn't had a whole bunch of success overall in the NCAA tournament, uh, this line opened at 10.5. It got bet down to 7. And uh, right now, there's a lot of people that like Ohio against Virginia. For me, I made it, it made it hard to even set a line on this game, let alone bet on it, because you just don't know which Virginia players are, are even playing or not, because the university and the NCAA won't say anything. So, Sam, I've found this very, uh, you know, hard to predict here, and we don't know what type of Virginia team is going to show up because, like we said, the last major upset was the them <laughs> against Maryland-Baltimore County three years ago. Well, I'll tell you what, coming to coming to Indianapolis late, I don't think it doesn't help them. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you want to get in here, you want to settle in, you want to get accustomed to your surroundings, you want to develop some kind of routine, you know, get really a feel for what you're doing here in Indianapolis. So, I, I mean – from my perspective, if I was coaching that team, I wouldn't want that. Like, this is not a, an ideal situation. Now, can they overcome this? Can they navigate it? it? Sure, of course. It's a championship caliber program. They were the last national championship in 2019. They have the chops and they have guys on that still on this team that won that national championship in 2019. So it is a veteran group. It is a savvy group, but it's not helping them out of being in the situation that they're in. So none of the uh, six venues being used for the NCAA tournament will have uh, the 25% fan capacity uh, allowed. They're going to even go less than that. So uh, here are some of the capacities, guys, for this. I want to get your thoughts. You know, in Assembly Hall, the University of Indiana, they're only allowing 500 fans mm. or only 3% capacity, and that's limited to only family and staff. Mackey Arena, home of Purdue, uh, we saw games there last night, allowed only 1,350 fans. That's 9% capacity. Hinkle Fieldhouse, home of Butler, will have 
1,250 fans, that's 14% uh, percent capacity, while the Bankers Life Fieldhouse, home of the Indiana Pacers, will have between 2,500 and 3,800 fans. That's a 13 to 19% capacity as uh, they advance on. And then Lucas Oil Stadium, where the final four will be, which is the big dome where the Colts play, but this is different. It is split into two courts, almost like a convention center area, uh, and they're going to allow 6,900 fans for games at Equality Court and 8,500 fans at games at Unity Court. That's 22% capacity, so a little bit different. And I know a lot of people are thinking, well, you know, you could probably get some more people in the building, especially in Bloomington and Indiana, allowing only 500 fans. It, it's kind of strange how every venue is totally different. Yeah, that, that's very odd. Uh, you'd think it would be very, it'd be uniform at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, Percentage-wise, the venue spread it out. That's what we did here. Uh, we spread out the, the seats up top, and uh, uh, that's what the Knights have done. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I, I'm a little puzzled uh, at this juncture when they announced that they would allow 25%, uh, why they would be so low, or unless there was just really nobody traveling to Indianapolis. Right. Yeah, the only other thing I can think of is uh, how we always think of everything as kind of being a state mandate. Like out here in Nevada, everybody says, you know, Sisolak says you can have this, that, or the other. Uh, maybe it goes by counties or something in, in Indiana, or maybe there's some other different rules. But uh, it, it really is a little bit strange. You'd think that they'd have kind of a set thing, and that's what it would be. But apparently that's not the case. Yeah, a lot of stringent, uh, you know, policies are in place here, you know, with the teams, of course. Uh, they're being quarantined, and, uh, you know, when they're not practicing or playing, teams are actually uh, must stay in their hotels. And, uh, you know, me, I'm going to bring it uh, to a food perspective here. Uh, they get to eat two meals per day, but they also have some late-night food delivery with the NCAA partners. So uh, I thought I'd throw this out there at you. You know, Wendy's brought a food truck to deliver more than 1,500 burgers and chicken sandwiches uh, to all the teams. Buffalo Wild Wings, I know one of your personal favorites there, Frank, uh, served 61 teams during the past three days and served more than 19,000 uh, 19, wings uh, at its busiest night. And Pizza Hut joined the fray as well, too. They delivered 665 pizzas, 208 family-sized <laughs> pastas, and 465 breadsticks. How's that breakdown? That's a good breakdown. That's a good, <laughs> that's a a, good breakdown. That, that's a TC breakdown. That's TC's. That's his, his daily uh, that's uh, food. That's right where he wants to be. Exactly. <laughs> but, but unfortunately, since TC wasn't in charge of it, we don't have pictures of all of this. Ah, yeah. man. But yeah, I, I'll tell you what I got pictures of. I got pictures of the food here at the Cosmopolitan and the hoops and hops. Double B, I, I got, you know, so... Back to, to this. Remember a couple weeks ago when Double B came on and, and we made the grand announcement, as you did, yes. about Hoops and Hops coming back? He had the menu that they were still discussing, and he wanted to keep it a secret. Oh, you were trying to take it from yes. him. Yes, you, I was. You, you tried to sneak it off the table. He's Guilty. like, no, that's got to stay here. He yes. did. He did. I, and I, and I, <laughs> I, I kept it for, for two-plus weeks away from TC, so we sprung a surprise on him today. And uh, uh, I think that Philly steak sandwich and the, oh, uh, the nachos, oh, I think you'll be in good shape oh. there. Uh, so, like I said, the, the, the crew is very, very happy, and we don't <laughs> into that right away. So here's where my credit is coming to you, all right? And I don't know if you had something to do with this or, or who did, but you know a hot dog snob that I am. You are a hot dog okay. snob. Okay, yes, and you as are. you know, so I have my standards of the, the, the gold medal, the silver, and, and the bronze. And you guys actually went with the gold medal of the hot dog buns. Of you went buns. with the poppy seed yes, buns. You went yes. with the Vienna poppy seed buns. That's a good bun. The bun it's, makes it. It, it made yeah. it. So, I mean, I mean, kudos to you for bringing out the true Vienna. Now, you, I don't know why you didn't bring out the Vienna hot dog to go with that bun, but you went Hebrew National, which is a silver medalist, but it's okay. Hebrew National's yeah. top quality. Okay. Top quality. So I know you had something to do with that, but congratulations no, I, on I, the poppy seed bun. I'd love to take credit for that, TC, but I had absolutely nothing to do with that. Uh, our, our, our food and beverage program here is second to none, and uh, they, they know that this is a special event, and it demands special stuff, so oh. really good stuff. Yeah, so uh, the, the, the nachos, the wings, the Philly cheesesteaks. Yes. Outside. And I think you should just limit the Philly cheesesteaks until Villanova plays, okay? That's that, that a good, good idea. idea. Yeah, That yeah. is a good idea, and I'm, I'm dead set against Villanova today. I'm on money line on Winthrop. So, uh, well, wait a minute, though. That's it. You know, we, we, we got a Philly cheesesteak earlier, but Drexel was playing, so that's okay. They're from Philly. That's right. There you go. So? The Drexel Dragons. Yeah, but but, that, but then if you go by your rules, then if Villanova gets knocked out, then you can't have Philly cheesesteaks anymore. So yeah, you can't really do it One only when they're playing. I mean, yeah, of course. Drexel's already done. Of course, yeah. we knew they were going to be. Yeah. <laughs> well... Of course, we thought Oral Roberts was going to be, too. So. I'm glad you said that, not me, you know. 
All right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the breaking news story that we've been talking about the last few days, and that's UNLV. Uh, Sam, you wrote the article in the, in the RJ a few days ago uh, about this. We know that this has been rumored for, oh, the last week or two, but uh, I, for one, did not, did not think that it would probably happen because it was like, okay, why would Iowa State want T.J. Altsaberger? And it was very simple why they did. Uh, here's a guy who spent eight years uh, as an assistant. Yep. Uh, he's going back for his third stint. And uh, he leaves UNLV with a losing record. But I don't believe that he would have gone anywhere else. No one else wanted him except Iowa State. It was just one of those situations where uh, they had an opening. They were looking for comfortability. I think it probably had a lot to do with uh, him fitting into their salary budget as well, too, because we know they couldn't really afford a high-priced coach. T.J. Otzelberger, it's a great move for him because he's going back to a place he's familiar with. Uh, his wife played basketball at Iowa State. Uh, they've ri- raised their, their, their daughters there, their family there. So I get that. He's moving up to a Power 5 conference. He'll make a little bit more money. Uh, and, uh, again, uh, a place that he's very familiar with. So a great move for him. But from an Iowa State perspective, uh, I know that they probably could have gotten anybody they really wanted to. They could have got a high-profile guy if they could have come to terms financially. But uh, give me some thoughts about uh, about T.J. Altsberger leaving Las Vegas and now the head coach at Iowa State. Well, like you, like you said, TC, it's a great move for him. I mean, if for him, it, it has to be a no-brainer, right? You're going to a Power 5 conference. Uh, you're getting a pay raise. You're in an area where you're, ex- you're extremely familiar. He's extremely familiar with recruiting the Midwest, and he has great relationships there. And as we know about college sports in particular, sports in general, but really, really college sports, it's a relationships business. It's about relationships, and, and he has had a longstanding relationship with the AD, Jamie Pollard. I was told that this deal, uh, I mean, was announced on Thursday. I, had been, I, I was told uh, that it had been done for a while, that it was, it was all a matter of just kind of ironing out the details, finalizing the buyout, the contracts, uh, and things like that. But um, it, it makes sense for him, and, and I think uh, he's a better fit for for what Iowa State is because of his familiarity there than he was at, at UNLV. And now for UNLV, at TC, it's like, here we go again, right? I mean, that, that has to be kind of the perspective or the attitude. That's what I've gauged is the attitude amongst the fans. It's just this once-proud program has you know kind of fallen flat over the last – Really, decade in particular, but but really since the great Jerry Tarkanian uh, left the sidelines at, at the Thomas and Mac. So now it's on UNLV to, to to they. I mean, I really think there's some pressure at this point to nail this hire and bring in a big time coach, a dynamic personality that can get this thing turned around. Because um, you know Desiree Reed Francois tried the 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 lesser known coach trying who wants to build himself. She's tried that approach with T.J. Otzelberger and it didn't work. Like you right. said, he had a losing record here, 29 and 30, and, and the cupboard. I mean, there's talented players on the roster, but the whole thing is kind of in flux because of the, the, the transfer portal this year, because of, there's no waiver or there is a one-time waiver. Nobody has to sit out. Uh, there is a lot of pressure to, to find somebody who can kind of be a, a glue and keep this thing together and keep it from falling apart at the seams more than it already has. Right. And think about it is, this is the fifth coaching hire that they have gone through in the last five years. Now, Chris Beard didn't coach a game here. Neither did Mick Cronin. But those were guys that, that basically agreed uh, to to be the coach, and then thing, things changed. And then again, that was all since uh, you know Dave Rice was unceremoniously fired in the middle of the 2016 season, and then uh, you you went to that. Then you know Todd Simon, who has had great success over at uh, Southern Utah, he was the interim coach. Uh, they weren't going to uh, uh, let him have the job, and then that's again they started the the whole wheel going but with Mick Cronin who was at Cincinnati at the point in time agreed to the position and then uh, then backed out after he went back to his AD and they said hey we're, we're getting new facilities here we're upgrading we're going to give you more money we'll stay here then they went to the Chris Beard routine uh, Texas Tech had to open up uh, and he went back there because that was like T.J. Altsberg, he's like, it was going home for Chris Beard. And that's worked out great for Chris Beard and <laughs> Texas Tech, as, as we know. Then, you know, Tina Kunzer-Murphy was the AD at that time. She really didn't really want to hire Marvin Menzies, but she did because it was getting late in the game. And again, it was like he was the third choice. Marvin coaches three years here. He gets let go. And then Desiree Reed-Francois decides to hire T.J. Altsberger out of South Dakota State. So it's a revolving door, and two years later, Sam, it's here we go again. And I think that the, the fans here in Las Vegas, they're, they're kind of fed up, and, they, and fans get ripped here quite a bit because, hey, you're still living in, you know, 1990. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, but, but the bottom line is you, you've had success. You've had national championships. You've had one of, the, one of the best teams in the history of college basketball. Of course you aspire to that, and you actually had that with 
uh, with with Lon Kruger. You even had it to a certain degree with Dave Rice. Yeah. And the team hasn't been to a tournament since 2013, since Dave Rice. No, it, it hasn't. And it, I think you really hit on something uh, that, that's important, TC, is that this it's not the UNLV of old. That's just a reality. This is a average mid-major program in a mid-major league now. And despite that, despite the, the, the constant turnover and the constant flux, I know that there is still, you know, a groundswell of interest from some established coaches uh, at, at, in, at the college and, and pro levels because it, even though it hasn't been the UNLV that, that we all know it has been or that, that it has the potential to be in 30 years, I think whoever, I mean, you turn to whoever gets this job and turn, if, if, it, if they turn it around, I mean, you're a folk hero here. Yep. You're a folk hero if, 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 if you can eradicate, not eradicate, but mm-hmm. put the ghost of Jerry Tarkanian to rest. So um, there, there is interest now, not necessarily from, not necessarily any, I mean, I, I think obviously to a point, right? I mean, you're not plucking a, a big-time established coach at a top uh, program right now, but but there is there is going to be some interest here, and I'm expecting a rather quick process. I know Desiree Reed Francois wants to wants to hire somebody quick as to do right by her players, so they can evaluate their situations and figure out what's best for them, and also so whatever coach comes in place can can tap into that transfer portal because because of the free year. The, the the no sit out where you can transfer there's the one time right. waiver this transfer portal is going to be like no other transfer portal we've ever seen there's going to be big time big time players in that transfer portal and a chance because of that to do a quick rebuild to do what Eric Musselman did to do what other coaches have done get where you get you rely on transfers and get this thing turned around she went she went with a relatively unknown with TJ Otzelberger, and she saw we did this with the football program with Marcus Arroyo as well too. Not sure, and again, it's still you know too early, but you know on the football side, I mean that's going to be a major uphill battle for, for whoever. That's going to take a long, long time because you're going against 30 years uh, of of really bad tradition, you know. There with basketball, it, it's still there. It's still an attractive job uh, to a certain degree. Uh, you know, despite the conference that it's in, despite not really not having a, a great TV deal, but I agree with you, Sam. I mean, it, it can get turned around. It'll be interesting to see if she takes her time with this, because Otzelberger, that took a little bit of time. I think the Royal thing did as well, too, from the football side, but uh, you got to be very careful, because you have to get this right. There, there's no question about it. I mean, there is no question about it. Just kind of based on the situation that, that they're in right now, where because of the coronavirus pandemic, there's been a loss of revenue. Whoever gets this job needs to be somebody that's capable of packing the stands and, and filling the seats and at least getting this program back in solid economic standing. Now, they have had the $8 million gift um, from a, from a, a donor uh, that that's, goes to the men's and women's programs, and there is the three-plus three million from the T.J. Otzelberger buyout. But the bottom line is there, she definitely wants the Thomas and Mac packed, and, and that wasn't the case last year in T.J. Otzelberger's first year. I don't think it would have been the case based on what we saw, uh, how we saw the team play this past year. So there, there are hires. There are dynamic hires that would invigorate this fan base and that would invigorate the recruiting base and that would, would be able to, to bring top players in here and get this thing turned around. Um, just got to wait and see if she's willing to go that route. Regardless of who does end up coming in here, what is the realistic expectation of giving a coach enough time to get it turned around and get the program back on that winning way? Because some people thought Menzies was starting to do that. Then, of course, he was out. Of course, TJ left on his own to go to Iowa State. But, you know, one of the problems is even if you have a coach that, and who knows, maybe Menzies would have done a better job. Some people still think he would have, but that's water under the bridge now. But how long do you give the coach to do that? Because the fan base wants to win immediately, but the reality is that's probably not going to be the case i mean i think the barometer kind of the traditional barometer for like a coaching uh, a new coach or a fair timeline of evaluation is usually three years right i mean i feel like that's kind of the standard where you have a feel for if this guy is the right guy or not within three years and that's at pros college whatever level college football college basketball nfl nba nhl whatever you name it that's kind of what i what i go by now with that said it's not against the rules for somebody to come in here and get the thing turned around in a year or two, right? Like, we've seen it done. Musselman at, at UNR got that thing cracking right away. I mean, right away he's bringing in transfers. They're a top-ten team in the country, and he got guys into the league. So it's it's the right coach could definitely do that, but I think three years is, is, is kind of a realistic timeline to evaluate, to judge the process of, of, of whatever coach takes over. Now, whoever takes this job, there, there are going to be challenges, right? Retaining your own players recruiting uh there, there's i mean there's a there was a solid class in place uh but but one of those players in that class arthur kaluma four-star kid out of uh out of the phoenix area uh 
um, I've been told he's he's reevaluating, reconsidering. It would have to be the right hire to keep him around. So uh, there there's a lot of kind of moving parts here, but two two to three years doesn't seem like an unrealistic timeline if the right person is in place and if the right person has the right relationships builds with the right staff and obviously the x's and o stuff is very important as well but uh, again th this is a program that that has potential a, a former division one coach uh, who coached in the power five had told me that there is there is a lot of potential real basketball people know the potential this program has and it's about whoever gets it here tapping into that and, and trying to bridge the gap from old to new and, and, and get this thing turned around for the first time in a really long time how much confidence do you have, or should fans have, in Desiree Reed Francois for making the right hire? I mean, that's a good question. I, I mean, just kind of peep the track record. I, I think the jury is definitely still out on Marcus Royo, uh, based on you know COVID season, uh, shortened season, didn't hasn't had. I mean, got a chance to recruit, but really this is his first real, real recruiting class that's coming in. So jury's out. But the T.J. Osselberger thing, I mean. It didn't work. I know I just said three years, and maybe it would have worked next year, but we only had a two-year sample size, and in those two years, it didn't work. So um, that uh, take that for what you take that for what you want. I mean, the fan base. I mean, if, if fans are are disappointed, they have every right to be because the team was extremely disappointing this year. When you looked at who you had coming in, the transfers, kind of the excitement that there was leading into the season. I certainly thought they'd be better than 12 and 15. I th certainly thought they'd play a more exciting brand of basketball, but it was very much a, a walk the ball up the floor, uh, let's be really deliberate kind of operation, and that's because the roster did not have the requisite personnel to play the up-tempo style he wanted to or the, the style that he was known for at South Dakota State. So, there again, I, th I do think there there is pressure to make the right hire and to, to find somebody that can invigorate the program, and there are, a num again, a number of... Uh, there, I, I've been told that there is some interest from professional and college coaches uh, in this job. There is potential there, and, and the right coach, I think the resources are in place to turn it around. TC, my, my question is, and you, you talked about revolving doors with coaches. Uh, UNLV is playing in a subpar conference. Uh, they, they have not had success in, in the big dance, the, the Mountain West, for, for quite some time. Maybe San Diego State's moved along uh, occasionally. But how do you get a coach, even if he's the right hire, to stay? How do you get him to stay if he has success when the Big Five conferences come knocking? Yeah. That, to me, is almost impossible that somebody's not going to use this as a springboard to get back into the Big Five. A hundred percent. And, again, uh, I guess the only example of that that it's gone the other way is like Mark, Mark Few. Few. It, it, exactly. One. And that's it. That's what I'm saying. It's very, yeah, that's that, that's not, that's not the norm. Well, the, 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 the way to keep a high profile, I mean, it's, it's money, right? It's yeah. easy. And yeah. in order to have that money, you need a coach that can sell this thing out and exactly. that can really get the program right. shaking again and really jumping. So, um, that, but that just goes to show you how far the program's fallen is that it is a springboard. It is a stepping stone at this point. And at one point, this is a definitely a destination job. And, um, you know, I can only imagine for, for, for the diehard UNLV fans that have been in this market a long time, how difficult the last 25 to 30 years have been. No, there, there definitely seems to be apathy from the fans, and understandably so. And it, interest has been waning, even before the pandemic. I mean, it was hard to get five, six, seven thousand 7,000 in the Thomas and Mack Center. Well, when, when I first got here, TC, I, I, I'm from Minneapolis, yeah. tra Minneapolis transplant. I went to the University of Minnesota. When I was a student from 2010 to 2014, it was an incredibly mediocre Big Ten program. I want to be very, very clear. Yep. And it, the games were still packed. I mean, the student section, there was still a vibrant student section. The lower bowl was, was always filled, and most of the upper bowl was too. And when I went to my first UNLV game here in 2018, now obviously I knew the history of the program before I got out here, but the first game I went to was just as a spectator. It wasn't as, as a journalist. And I'm pulling into the parking lot of Thomas and Mack Center, and I'm, I'm like, where are the parking attendants? <laughs> right. Like, don't I need to pay to park? And uh, and obviously that's not the case because there is no – the interest isn't the same or not what it once was. All right. We'll continue uh, to follow this. We'll throw out some coaching candidates some names and we'll look at and uh, that has a lot to do with it too about you know making a se stepping stone you take someone who really wants to be here and then someone who who basically knows this program and knows this city so we can throw out a couple you know former rebel names too i think that's the only way that you can really keep someone here and with a lot of money as well too all right, uh, March Madness. We are here at the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas inside the Chelsea. It is Hoops and Hops on this Friday. Having a fantastic time here. When we come back, hour number two, we will update you on the latest. Another major upset brewing on the hardwood in Indianapolis. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more. Brian Benowitz, Ballpark Frank, Sam Gordon joining me here. It's a T.C. Martin show on this fabulous Friday for March Madness Hoops and Hops.